and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at katherineplano.com. And as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers, where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is an amazing stuff available for you only if you sign up to the email list and you can do that by going to katherineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. As always, we have another super amazing woman for you this week, Lynn Kazali. Lynn helps individuals, teams and organizations transition to new ways of working. Lynn is an international keynote speaker, author and a master facilitator. She is the author of six books, including her latest, Ish. The Problem with Our Pursuit for Perfection and the Life-Changing Practice of Good Enough. She works with executives, senior leaders and project teams on their major change and transformation projects. This includes working with agile practices, business agility improvements and digital transformations. Her background is that of a communication specialist. Having lectured in undergraduate and postgraduate programs in several of Australia's universities and consulting to different industries, sectors and fields on engagement, communication and change. Lynn will help you think better, make sense of information and handle the realities of information overload with a range of ingenious processes, tools and methods. She is an experienced board director and chair and an hashtag avgeek loving everything aviation, airports and air traffic control. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Well, today I'm super excited. We have someone literally almost next door to me, not quite, but in Melbourne for sure. We have the lovely Lynn Kazali. Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. Oh, thank you very much. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to to talk to you. Oh, it's very exciting. So the way we start, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her story. So what inspired you to do what you do today? I think it was a little bit fed up with the old nine to five, you know, five days a week, working with systems that were broken in organisations and, and working with people who weren't particularly happy with what they were doing. And I thought, I'm going to I'm gonna just see, just do a little experiment and let's see if I could do my own thing, you know, run my own business. And, and that's over 20 years ago. So that experiment is pretty much still going. Um, so I've really just been able to meander and respond to however the world world keeps changing, and that's given me, I think, that incredible freedom and creativity, which is what I love doing. So just that that taking that first step of yeah, that I'm not happy with this. What am I going to do about it? And then it's it's it kind of allowed a whole bunch of other things to happen. So that's that's the story to. My, my working life um, and running my own practice or running my own business. Um, but before that, you know, I'd had some wonderful roles and worked in brilliant organisations and, and met incredible people. So it's not like one side of it wasn't good and the other was. It's, it's just different parts of, of your path, I guess. Mm. So, Lynn, did you plan, plan ahead of time before you quit your nine-to-five job or did you just make the decision then you just decide to just do it and uh, take the risk? I was not happy for a little while in a role and so I'd given notice but uh, I was the leader of an organisation and so I, I said, look, I'll, I'll hang around until you find a replacement. So that gave me, I think, four to six weeks uh, to to really start to think about how how might my own thing work, what might it look like. Um, but then when I actually finished working, I I didn't have any energy to do anything on my own business. I was I was I must have been burnt out. So I just enjoyed doing jigsaw puzzles for a couple of weeks. I remember sitting at home going, I just need to have a rest. Um, and then slowly you know, launched my business and got into it. So it wasn't a ferocious leap from one thing into another. It was it was step away from one thing, recover, and then step into the new thing. Mm, I love it. And for our listeners, you can't see, of course, but I am holding Aline's book and it's. I was just uh, complimenting her on the beautiful font. But would you like to talk us through your book? And I love the title, Ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ish. So it's that that word means near enough or somewhat. And so the book is called The Problem with Our Pursuit for Perfection and the Life-Changing Practice of Good Enough. So I'm I put my hand up and go, I'm a reformed perfectionist. So I, I was a perfectionist and I found another way. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of us do put our hand up and confess to be a perfectionist. Um, a lot of the research I've been reading over the last few years about this identified it as it's our favourite flaw. It's the it's the flaw that we don't mind putting forward and going, oh, yes, I confess I'm a perfectionist, as if it's a good thing, you know, as if going for ridiculously high standards is something to be proud of. But the more I explored this topic, 
um, the more I realised that perfectionism is actually causing us a lot of a lot of problems individually and in teams, families, in the community. So um, my prescription, I guess, is to go for good enough instead of perfection. And throughout the book, I talk about some of the problems with perfectionism, why we might pursue it and some ways to kind of break that habit because it is, it's a lifelong habit that's been ingrained, you know, from our childhood and then from our parents and from their parents. It's a generational thing. So we do have to do something to kind of interrupt this habit and and work in some different ways. I love the way that you call it a habit. I think I'm a recovery perfectionist and I think <laughs> yeah. that it's one of those things that uh, – I think it also creates, I know just from my experience, I know that it creates sometimes a bit of a hold on a launch of a project. Sometimes yes. you procrastinate, yes. uh, just from my experience anyway. But yeah. talk us through some of the problems with perfectionism. Yeah, well, there's you've, you've linked it directly to one of the big problems, which is procrastination. So um, we, we don't know when to start. We, we keep trying to set up the conditions for when will be the right time um, and we might be doing heaps of work on something, but we never actually press the button or launch it or share it. Or, you know, we might, I was talking to a, um, someone the other day and she's written 15 blogs, but not posted any of them. So there's some procrastination uh, in terms of launching them, but she's actually been quite diligent in doing the work. But absolutely perfectionism and that fear of rejection is is stopping her putting them out into the world. Um, so absolutely perf perfectionism and procrastination, they hang around together like those two naughty kids at school. There were always some naughty kids at school, the bad gang, that those two, perfection and procrastination, hang around together, bad influence on each other. So what would be some steps to move out of that uh, mindset? The first thing... Um, I was writing about the other day was to understand that perfection is a is an opinion in our mind so it's not reality it's not grounded in reality so we have this imagination that conjures up wonderful things you know we dream about future holidays and we imagine end states and we you know envisage wonderful experiences and the same thing happens with perfectionism we conjure up this creative image of what we want the thing to look like or how it will be and then we start working on it uh, and this is one of the key steps I guess is to instantly go hang on a minute this perception I've created of perfectionism is not real it does not exist so to go for it to strive for it is just setting yourself up for disappointment so the first thing to do is to understand that this perception or image of perfection does not exist. We're going to have to go for something else. So that, that kind of links into what you were saying before. It's about um, good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. And I know mm. that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. And you, we've had a lot of uh, women on the show that say uh, create it, launch it, even if it's not ready, launch it mm -hmm. and learn from it. Mm. Um, Mm. And then be flexible in the change. Let your tribe tell you what they like and what they don't like. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, this is this is the sort of thing that helps us uh, learn and create something that is of value to the market. The, the contrast is you keep working on something for weeks and months 
uh, trying to make it better and then you put it out there and, and it could fail dismally. That's because you haven't tested it, you haven't calibrated it with the real world. But if you work on what I talk about, smaller increments of work, so you put out an earlier version of something, test it and calibrate it with your market to see, am I on the right track? Is this something you'd be interested in? Would you buy this? Do you need this? And then using that information, which is helpful feedback, not judgmental feedback, it's helpful feedback that helps you shift or improve a little on your idea to then get it ready to put it out more seriously. Because I've had that before. I've had people reach out uh, and some authors are saying, look, these are the different options for a book cover. What are your thoughts? And so Mm -hmm. they reach out to get some sort of feedback. But how does one know when it's good enough? Well, the uh, the classic Pareto effect is, is a great principle. We know that 80-20 principle applies through all sorts of things in life, from our wardrobe to the restaurants we go to to, um, you know, the way that we use and spend our time. So we only have to put in about 20% of effort to receive an incredible 80% of the return. So if you imagine you're writing a report and you allocate 10 hours, the bulk of the best work that you're going to do is going to get done in about two of those 10 hours, which means we end up wasting, pretty much wasting those other um, eight hours uh, because they only bring us 20% return. So knowing when to start, that gets over that procrastination, but then knowing when to test is like get a first draft going or get a first version or I like to say a first iteration uh, and this is exactly what I did with my book uh, the the live book that's that's in the shops will be iteration number five so I put the I think it was the first iteration out a few people bought it a few more people bought the next one and the next one and gave me some of their feedback you know they said oh it's very repetitive uh, you haven't put information in here on how to do it you know so there was a lot of this feedback that came and so I was able to take it and then improve uh, and then iterate on my own project iterate on my own activity for all the entrepreneurs and those uh, in business that are listening to this show right now what would be a piece of advice that you would like to give them um, and, and especially if they want to embark in a new direction new career a new life what would be that one thing uh, I think it's about there's some doubt that kicks in um, every day. <laughs> you know, it's it's not like we're going to get over our doubt. I think it's a daily challenge for many people and that sometimes we have to persist despite that doubt. So it's almost like don't listen to it. It's not that you can shut it off, but don't believe it because many, many people have achieved the sorts of, you know, dreams and visions that you also have and they've gone on and done some stuff about it. So it really is challenging that procrastination in you if you're fearful of of failing or fearful of being rejected or fearful of being judged. If you can put a smaller piece of work out there uh, and test that, it's kind of safer than working endlessly on something that might uh, fail in the longer run because you know then you will have wasted a heap of time so don't doubt rather get into action on some of the ideas that you have put them out there test them see if they've got legs 
Mm, I love that. So, Lynn, in your book, you've actually got nine ways to think and work on projects, Mm. uh, tasks or activities. Would you like Mm. to share a couple with us? Yeah, well, we've probably hit on a couple of them, which I'll just reinforce that are absolute key to this. And the first one is that know when to start your project because we can have great ideas and never put them out into the world. So one of the suggestions around starting is not just accountability with someone or putting it in your diary, oh, I'm going to start on Wednesday, but I love using a countdown timer. Um, so you can go to them on the web and set one, set up a page for your project with a big countdown timer on it, you know, like in the lead up to events and conferences and things, you know, 12 days and 17 hours, 36 minutes to go. And the second clock is spinning over. And so I keep that page open on my browser and uh, work on other tabs. But that's there inspiring me and counting me down to the start. And it's, you know, we see it with people like Michelle Bridges, you know, and her 12-week body transformation. She doesn't just say, oh, you know, we just started. She builds up to it and Mm. she, you know, leads you along building up that energy and giving you the countdown so that then it is time to leap. It's like, you know, the bungee jump. They don't push you off. They count you down mm. and and then you leap. So I love the use of a countdown timer. So know when to start is a big thing. I think one of the other things I've hinted at here is to run experiments. So I love to say test things early and test them often. And this is something we can learn from the software development field that I've done a lot of work with over the last few years. You know how often the apps are updated on our devices? You know, there's constant updates coming and that's the sort of thing to remember is that those manufacturers of those apps and programs are improving them over time. They don't sit there working on it until it's perfect. They put it out in a very early iteration. Uh, I was looking at some of the the, um, first versions of the Uber and Amazon websites and they look crappy, right? Their first versions look really, really daggy and basic and simple but look at them now right so we've got to start with stuff that's rough to see which bits work Uh, it's just smarter ways of working uh, which helps reduce our stress it helps us combat perfectionism and it actually helps us make things that are more valuable and relevant to the market Mm, I love that and there, there may be another one is there another one that kind of comes to mind um I think the then know when to stop. So I said know when to start and know when to test and then know when to stop. So the idea of it's good enough, I think we're not good judges of the quality of our own stuff. And you'll know this when, you know, friends or family members have a look at your stuff, they're often like, oh, wow, this is fantastic, you know, and you're like, no, no, it's not really good. You know, we dismiss, we dis and dismiss our own stuff or reject it. But in fact, what we're working on will be good enough. This 80-20 principle kicks in and the work that you've done so far, I can almost guarantee will be good enough to test and get some feedback and early iteration. Know when to start, test early and often, and then know when to stop. Oh, I love all three of those. So, Lynn, what has been your greatest lesson learned or lessons learned along your journey? Ooh, I think enjoyment uh, 
is a good thing. You've got to you've got to like what you're doing because then it like it leaks out of you. You know that enjoyment actually comes out of you. Um, I, I saw a speaker at a conference recently, and I thought, oh, you know, this topic's pretty dry, and their voice sounded really mundane and monotonous. And I went up afterwards, and we had a conversation, and I, I said, oh, and, and are you enjoying this topic? You know, I was just curious, not providing any feedback. I just said, and are you enjoying this topic? And they said, no, actually, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty boring for me now. And I, I just thought to myself, yep, that's what came out of you, you know, bored with the topic. So you've got to find stuff that you enjoy. I wouldn't say it's, you know, find your passion and follow it, um, but you've got to be able to work on things each day that, that do light you up and you find enjoyment in them. Mm, I've seen people uh, talk about a very dry topic, but they mm. are so passionate about what they do. It kind yes. of oozes out of them. It does. And so it even does. though you're, you're sitting there going, oh, this is going to be a boring topic, it, it, it actually <laughs> lights you up yourself because it's no. contagious. Their energy is. is very contagious. It is. And, and therefore, I think if you're working on stuff that you like and you can put it out there when it's good enough, your passion behind this helps communicate that to people and they'll they'll let you know what they think about it uh, and they'll see your passion. Mm. <laughs> they'll be a lot kinder than you than you're being to yourself. That's for sure. That's what I've found. Yeah, people always remember how you made them feel. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, Lynn, we always love to ask our women of inspiration about pain points. We believe everyone's got pain points. What would be some of your biggest pain points and how do you stumble across your solutions? So these are pain points for me and my business or me and my like roadblocky type things? That's or? right, your challenges, roadblocks. Uh, it could be in business. Uh, we do have a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, individuals in business or mm. in life. You know, it's it's it, we're all human. So either which yeah. one really stand out for you? I think it's I've just written a book about it. <laughs> um I've written several other books and do present at conferences and run workshops and things, but there's something about the topic I've just finished working on and now I'm speaking about, and that is the perfectionism. It is such a, a kind of poisonous habit because it it's a huge roadblock because it stops you doing things that you'd, you know, that you might have a great idea that's going to help a bunch of people, but you're hesitance to put it out there is not only a barrier now to you so you're not getting you know you're not getting the enjoyment of seeing the progress and the impact of your work but it's also now a barrier or a resistance for others because they're not now going to benefit from your from your idea so the 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 multi, the multitude of things that perfectionism creates for me has been one of the biggest barriers in my business like every day that's oh, I can't put that blog out there, you know. I have to work on the heading a bit longer and that's not a good enough heading and, oh, I need to put more titles, you know, more words in there or, oh, I better have some better references. And so this constant, it's not good enough, it's not good enough, it's not good enough. And I go, rubbish, it is good enough, put it out there. Yeah, um, so it's obviously something you still experience today. Oh, absolutely. I don't mm. think I don't think we kind of get over it. This is... For me, ish and going for good enough is a way to get around it. I don't think we we can remove it um, from the generational nature of um, perfectionism that it's been transferred through families and the way 
you know, the way we've probably grown up from from anxious or controlling parents or uh, out of control or chaotic chaotic childhoods or, uh, you know, judgmental teachers or we've all kind of got stories about being asked to do our best or, um, you know, the expectations of doing uh, doing better. And this continues on well into our adulthood. So, We've got to do something about it or we will, we are raising children who have exactly the same kind of conditions and then with the introduction of social media and competitiveness at school, it's getting worse. So I guess the key message around perfectionism is it's on the increase. The impacts on us are not good. We can do something about it and uh, and breaking that habit. Mm. As I'm listening to it, to you, I'm also thinking like for me, I know that from a perfectionist side of things, mm. in my mind, I say to myself, I have to get this right so to be accepted. Mm. And mm. if I don't, what will they think of me? Exactly. That's that's one of the biggest um, points is uh, our our view of what others will think. So some of the research by Curran and Hill that I quote in the book is fascinating because they identified three different types of perfectionism. And the one you're talking about there is what I'd call type two perfectionism. That is our perception of what others will think. Uh, And it's a huge, huge obstacle and huge barrier because it's made up in our mind. It's a perception. It's not true. We, we can only find out if it's true if we put something out there and test it. But in the meanwhile, meantime, we're sitting here running these scripts in our minds, this creative mind we have that's able to generate all of this wonderful, wonderful fiction about the quality of the work we're doing and we're not good judges of our own, of the quality of our own work. So, yeah, this is the second type of perfection. I should do better. People would expect it. Mm. And what are the other two types? The other two types. So the first one is I have high standards for myself, right? These are the people who say, yes, I am a perfectionist. And then the third type is where we have high standards for others. You know, I expect more from you or, um, you know, I think when anyone ever gives you feedback, I was expecting this would happen and I was expecting that would happen. I look at that and go, boom, type three perfectionism right there, where they're imposing their values and standards on me. Nothing to do with me, everything to do with them. So how does one deal with that? Let's say we're working in a corporate environment and you have a leader that comes up and actually says, I have higher expectations or higher standards of your work ethics or whatever that may be. How does one deal with that? Yeah, I think the perfectionist boss I reckon most of us have got a tale of, of the time of having worked for one. I certainly have had my fair share and, and we can often take on that behaviour thinking that's how you do leadership. Um, but but I think one of the best ways to combat that is to get uh, define the standard, get, get the standard of that expectation defined because at the moment it's not defined. They've just said higher and it's like higher than what? Like, can we just find out what what the standard is that you're expecting? Oh, it has to be really good. Okay, can you help me understand what really good would mean to you? Mm. So it's kind of we're going to have to tie some people down to things and that, that might not be an easy conversation, but um, it's better than being swept into this overwork, you know, working extra hours, working long hours, 
burnout, stress, anxiety, migraines. These are all the flow-on effects of perfectionism behaviours and they absolutely result from not knowing the standard that we're Mm. going for. So if we were to say on topic, because uh, mm. we all know, you know, we hear it all the time that you're lucky to, to survive your first 12 months in business and you have su- successfully remained in business for 20 <coughs> years. What mm. do you think would be a number one reason or a couple of reasons that why uh, individuals fail to succeed in business? My grandmother, Jean Kazali, was a very persistent woman and I think she's passed that on through to me through the genes, genes, genes. Um, But persistence of, I won't say it's never giving up, but it's just saying, you know what, I've got this idea and it's not that I'm going to work on it forever, but I'm going to kind of follow it through and see see if it's got legs, see if it's got possibility. Um, And I think from some early, you know, early responses, you start to find out, oh, yeah. So when I ran this idea past people about, this con- the concept of good enough and some of the techniques I explain, it was I was keen to see what's people's feedback to this. Is it registering with them? Is it resonating with them? Ah, oh, yes, it is. Okay, well, I'll persist with this. But if you persist with no validation, that's a lonely path, right? Mm. But if you if you persist with with validation and persist with some confirmation, um, I think that that makes the path a lot a lot easier, a lot more inspiring. So a bit of persistence with validation. Mm, I like that. So, Lynn, yes. if we were to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Ooh, uh, it's get on with it, girl. Like you've got great ideas and you keep, what I say, dicking around. You're wasting a bit of time there. <laughs> yep. You've got great ideas. Like stop hesitating. Put them out there and get some responses to see if this is a good idea or not and if it's not guess what another good idea will come along in a moment and you'll be able to test that one out too so um yeah get on with it is is the advice of my younger self i love it and i love that uh you have a very strong um what's mindset for you to be able you know i'm talking about being a perfectionist to be able you have a strong voice a powerful voice Mm. so even hearing you speaking to your younger self i could see that there's this there's this push and drive there Mm. but not obsessive no or or fixated so Mm. these are the the obsessions um the obsession with perfection or the obsession with unrealistic standards and then the, the self-criticism, these are the characteristics of perfectionism, is mm. expecting high standards of myself and then the beration that either I didn't reach it, of course you couldn't, it doesn't exist, I didn't reach it and it wasn't good enough, I must try harder next time. So this is this kind of prison we find ourselves in, this loop It's so difficult to get out of except when you're aware to it, you wake up to it, you go, ah, I'm setting standards that can't be reached because they're imaginary in my mind. If I just go for good enough, I'll feel better. The results will be better. So someone someone who just read the book on the weekend uh, was speaking at a conference yesterday and she said she went for ish, good enough with her presentation. She felt more relaxed and she felt the outcome was way better. So mm. she instantly reduce the pressure on herself yeah i think we all do that don't we sometimes i think we get ourselves uh 
kind of tongue twisted when we try to get things really perfect when mm. if you just go in there with the mindset of ish it's mm. going to be okay good enough yeah you're yeah. not you're not getting in your own way no in fact the reverse you're getting out of your own way and mm. you'll get some insights about how you can keep improving it so, Lynn, you talked about self-criticism and uh, being stuck in the loop. How does one uh, get out of the loop, and especially around self-criticism? How do you do it? Um, is hearing yourself, <laughs> you know, is, is hearing or noticing that you've just bagged yourself out for something. Um, so the, the the idea that you uh, have some, you know, vision for a, a project or a piece of work and as soon as that idea comes to you, there will usually then be this rejection that kicks in and it will say, no, you can't do that, you're not qualified enough or you don't have the skills or someone will be better than you at that. That's those sorts of immediate rejections that I call them. I just listen for those and I don't try to turn them off because they are always there. That's our, that's our ego protecting ourselves. But I'll just go, yep, thanks very much for that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to continue on anyway. So here comes the persistence. I'm going to have a go at this and see if there's validity here. I'm not going to listen to your advice, <laughs> you know, inner critic. I love that book that's called Your Inner Critic is a Big Jerk, you know, because it is. It's a big jerk and uh, and not worth listening to most of the time. So it's like a, being conscious of it and saying thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, not right now, or I, I take the hint, you know, and I know you're trying to look out for me, but uh, not needed right now. I'm heading off in this direction instead. Mm. So, Lynn, who inspired you growing up? Um, as well as, like, friends, family. Um, I, I loved uh, theatre and music, so any performer who was gutsy enough to get out there and put their ideas out there. I just think of someone who was seen recently, Kate Miller-Heidke, you know, does beautiful soundtracks to, to the stage show Muriel's Wedding. She represented Australia at Eurovision. Right? What an incredibly creative woman puts her thinking and ideas out there. And those sorts of people were inspiring to me when I was growing up. This is, you know, it's quite courageous. Mm, sure so have, a, have a could be a half-baked idea don't know you know here's a song or here's a play or here's a you know artistic design not sure not sure about it but they put it out there nonetheless and we love it when they do you know we we await their next release and so I always remember waiting for the new release from musicians and performers and and new films and new theatrical performances they always uh, lit me up went oh wow you know here's some new creation from this person that's good that's good stuff that's the artist archetype coming out of you just then mm, mm, mm. definitely so what we do lynn as we wrap up the show we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her brand what would be that one word for you Oh, it'd have to be ish. Of course it has to be ish. <laughs> Near enough is good enough most of the time. Most of the time we don't want to ish on things like surgery and engineering construction and aviation. I'm not talking about that. But things like chores and um, putting our ideas out there, they're, all, they're usually way better than we think they are. So near enough is often good enough. 
I'm glad you clarified that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that we do as we wrap up this show, we always love to ask our women of inspiration to pick three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets or three practical exercises for our audience today? Um, they're the points around know when to start, know when to stop, and test early and often. Know when mm. to start, know when to stop, test early and often. So we really unpacked knowing when to start your project and testing early and often. How do we know when to stop? Um, by testing. As soon okay. as you've, you know, as soon as something's good enough, you just say it's good enough to test, it's ish, let me put it out there and see what happens. So then you stop. You stop working on it. Love the ish. So test Lynn, it. Yeah, yeah, go on. Test it. Test it, see what happens, and then carry on if it requires more work. But quite often it doesn't require more work. You'll mm. be surprised. I love it. So, Lynn, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? They can find me at lynnkazaley.com and they can um, chase up the book at their favourite bookstore or online. Mm, and we'll have or- everything on the uh, show notes as well, as well, your links. Wonderful. Thank you. No, thank you. I want to say thank you for coming on the show and thank you so very much for sharing the perfectionist within you and the Mm. artist archetype that really came out of you today. So thank you for your time and your energy. Thanks so much for the opportunity to speak with you all. Thank you. Okay. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.